listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube. If you have a Bible with you today, we're going to go to the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus chapter 18 um, and verse 25 is our text for tonight. On the eve of our staff retreat just last year, uh, we had a little moment after, after a leaders meeting on, on basically like one or two nights before the uh, staff retreat. Uh, one of our young pastors and a group of people from our staff were in a car driving home from a leaders meeting when this young pastor received a text message from a parent. The parent was texting them to thank them for uh, a meeting that the guy had run, this young pastor, had run that night. And the mum was texting, her name is Donna, to say thank you so much for the work that you do. My son is so on fire for God, so grateful. The meeting sounds like it was absolutely amazing. And the young pastor was driving, so he said to his wife, baby, can you respond to the text message, get back to the parent, the mum, and I want you, you tell Donna, was what he said, you tell Donna, it's why we do what we do. Well, I love that. I love that heart. I love his passion to say, well, you know, we're doing this, but this is why we do what we do. It's absolutely fantastic. The truth is, though, that the staff in the car gave him no moment for sincerity. It was... It was on the eve of staff retreat. Now, staff retreat for Rise, it's obviously a time of inspiration for our staff, but it's also an opportunity where none of our pastors are responsible for anybody else. So it's their moment to be the naughty kid in the youth group. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm the guy trying to pull them all together, keep them all saved, uh, and they're all, you know, mucking around, having at it. And so by the time we got to staff retreat, you tell Donna was basically trending. People were like, you know, you tell Donna, you know, when God wants to move, He sends a man, me. You tell Donna, I am God's gift. You know, you tell Donna, Kevin Costner, sorry, what's his name? The, 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 Chuck Norris was so yesterday. Like all these, all these things, it was Chuck Norris, it's now me. Like there was just, you tell Donna, took over our, our staff retreat. And I love that phrase, you tell Donna, it's why we do what we do. So we're doing three messages. I did the first one this morning. We're doing another one tonight. Then we've got another one next Sunday morning. It's like the fastest series we've ever done in Arise. And these three messages are themed, why we do what we do. If you weren't in an Arise campus today to hear the first part, can I encourage you, make sure that you get the recording because there's not a single one of these that's kind of like a nice thing. They're all key things, monumental things, significant things. Why we do what we do. This morning, we talked about why we do this, our Sunday services. And the answer is we do Sunday services so that lost people can encounter Jesus. We are building a church for lost people. That's what God commanded us to do and that's what we've been busy doing for the last 10 plus years. Tonight, I wanna talk to you about the second instalment. Exodus 18, 25 is our text. And it says, He, that's Moses, chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,000, 100, 50 and 10. It's supposed to be on that television. 
not feeling very encouraged right now. He chose capable, oh, thank you, Lord, feeling a little bit more encouraged. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. Somebody shout 10. I can't hear you, Dunedin, shout 10. There's a few Dunedin people in this auditorium. You know, what makes Israel so special, so special, is that God designed a nation of people. I've always been fascinated by designed cities. Love going to Christchurch, flying in. Adelaide, in fact, was designed by the same person that designed Christchurch. When you fly over the two cities, they pretty much look exactly the same. Octagon in this, uh, not octagon, whatever it's called. You got the center and then it kind of the loop roads around the outside. Dunedin has an octagon. It's a beautiful city as well. Rumor has it, and I don't know if it's true, that Wellington was designed by some guy who thought that the city was flat. If that is true, I just want to say it explains a lot. I mean, it really does explain a lot. I'm not sure that that works out. But anyway, a planned city is a beautiful thing. And a planned nation, there's no other one. I mean, most cities on earth just spring into being and then you kind of react and work your way through them. But a planned city, that's amazing. Most nations just kind of evolved into being, but only Israel. Three million people came out of slavery in Egypt and then God got busy and from the book of Exodus through to Deuteronomy, God literally said, I am planning a nation. It's amazing. And in these initial books of the Bible, we get an incredible insight on the way that God wants a group of people to function. Two things in particular are amazingly significant about how God designed Israel. And they're important for you and me because Israel in the Old Testament is a picture of the church in the New Testament. If you read the Bible, you'll understand that to be true. It's outside of our brief for tonight's sermon, so take it as read. And the first thing that I want you to notice, two things that are particularly interesting, and the first one is how they were camped, how Israel was camped. Let's go to our television. If you guys can increase that font size in the time that I'm looking at this, that would be awesome. Okay. What you got here is literally a picture of the nation of Israel as they were camped. And you'll notice that they had the tabernacle in the middle, and then the tribes of Israel were all around the outside. So they had Judah, Naphtali, Asher, Dan, the half-tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh, Benjamin, Gad, Simeon, Reuben, Zebulon, and Issachar were all camped around the outside of the tabernacle. It's an interesting thing to note that no tribe was any further from the tabernacle than another, which is important. No matter who you are, nobody is further from God than any other person. There's no super Christian, there's no special dude. Everybody is the same distance from God as one another. What's amazing is not only were they all camped around the temple, but their tents actually all opened towards the temple. In fact, check this verse out. You can throw it up on the TV. It says, you're going to get with me. I know it's going to happen in Jesus' name. Numbers chapter 2, verse 2 says, they camped facing the tent of meeting on every side. So no matter which side they were on, 
their tents opened towards the tabernacle. So the tabernacle was in the middle. All the tents opened on every side towards the tabernacle. Didn't matter where you were, north, south, east or west, everybody faced the tabernacle. You set your life around the tabernacle. You opened your tent and stepped outside and looked at the tabernacle. And what the Bible is saying to you and me is it's saying, if you want your life to be as God desires it, then camp your life around God's house and open your day towards God's house. The second thing that I notice is not only were they camped around the tabernacle, but secondly, notice how they were grouped. The people were all in one big nation. They each had a tribe, but things weren't working and issues were developing. So then in our text this evening, we read that Moses took the people and he put them into groups. It literally says that Moses chose capable leaders and he put them in groups of a thousand, a hundred, fifty, and ten. A thousand, a hundred, fifty, and ten. So in other words, if you and I are going to flourish as a believer, if we're going to have success in our lives as a believer, you firstly need to build your life around God's house. I became a Christian when I was 18 years old. I am now, pains me to say it, 43 years old. For the last 25 years, I have built my life around God's house. I've missed so few number of church services in the last 25 years, you could almost put them on two hands. And my friend, I want you to know that I have never ever regretted that decision and I don't believe I ever will until the day I die. You want a great life? Then build your life around God's house. For me, God's house, the church, is not priority number 798 or even number three or even number two. It's at the top, it's center to the way that I live my life, and I believe it's the way God wants you and I to live our lives, is to put God's house right there at the top. And the second thing is not only do we need to build our life around God's house, secondly, we need a small group of people who are involved in your life. Build your life around God's house and have a small group of people that are involved in your life. Notice that what He put them in was groups not only of a thousand, it's probably a thousand plus people in the service I'm preaching in right now. But the truth is God just want, doesn't want you being one face in a crowd of a thousand. He wants you being one person in a group of 10. If we're gonna live the life God wants us to have, then we need to be not only a person who's towards God's house, but a person who's in a small group, a life group, with other believers as well. If I wanted to look at your life and say, where's your life going? Where's your life gonna end up? I need to look at only two things. Number one, your attitude towards church. And number two, the people who are closest to you. Is that not true? Man, if you've got a bad attitude towards church and you've got losers close to you, then you're heading in the wrong direction. But if you've got a great attitude towards God's house and you've got a great life group of people around you, then my friend, I'm here to tell you, your life is looking on the upward trajectory. How many people know that that is true? 
no matter what page of the Bible you look at, no matter what page of church history you look at, you're always going to find that the Christian faith draws out two things. Number one, corporate teaching. And number two, community outworking. In Israel, we've got everybody's life built around the temple, around the tabernacle, so that they could have teaching from Moses, teaching from the priests. They also were grouped into groups of 10. When you see Jesus, you see Jesus' ministry, and He preached big sermons, and He hung out with 12. He preached the Sermon on the Mount to thousands. I've been to where they believe He preached the Sermon on the Mount. He preached sermons to thousands, and then He dissected the sermon with 12. If you want your life to be blessed, then be in church every Sunday to hear what I think is a great message. I hope it is. And then get around with 12 group of, they believe it is, over that side. <laughs> well, don't, 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 don't stop. Don't stop. I'm just, I'll take all the love I can get. But you know, not only do you need a big corporate church service, you need a group of 12. You need a, a group of 10. You need a small group of people that you can put that sermon to work in your life. When I became a Christian, there was no such thing as small groups, no such thing as a life group, or the internet, or cell phones, or email, or Netflix. Not a single one existed when I became a Christian. <laughs> Say it ain't so. We not only didn't have broadband, we didn't have dial-up when I became a Christian. And even though there was no such thing as a small group in the church that I got saved in, and as far as I know, there was no churches with small groups at that period of time, there was an amazing Bible teacher called Edwin Lewis Cole. And he used to do these monthly cassette videos, video cassettes that were targeted at men. And so I discovered that there was a group of men from our church that were meeting every month on a Wednesday night and they would watch that video and then they would dissect the teaching together. Well, it was for me about a 20 to 25 minute drive from where I was living in Mount Albert all the way out to Glen Eden in West Auckland. But I would make that drive readily, jump in a car, get there any way that I could. I wanted to not only be part of a church service, Something within me yearned to be part of a small group of people that were taking God's work and putting it to work in their lives. Isn't it amazing how the Bible records that when Mary found out she was pregnant with Jesus, the first thing she did was she searched down Elizabeth so she could find somebody else who had was pregnant with something on the inside of her and together they could share about their experiences in their lives. Isn't that always the case that when you come alive to God, when His Word begins to grow on the inside of you, when faith comes alive in you, you immediately wanna find out, search out somebody else of faith that you can take that Word and put it to work in your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, when you are truly awakened to God, it will always increase your desire to want to share about that with somebody else who's also alive in God. Nothing about our Christian faith works unless we have relationships. Nothing about the Christian faith works in isolation. You cannot say you are a lover of Jesus if you are doing life 
without any quality relationships in your life. There is something wrong with you. I've met Christians at some stages and not too many in a rise, thankfully, who say, well, you know, John, I really love to pray, but I don't like doing life with other people. I mean, I really like to kind of spend hours alone praying, but I prefer not to really, you know, get involved in the lives of other people. And my, my thought to that has always been, and let me say it again tonight, I, I just love to know what God you're praying to. I just love to know what God you've been spending hours in His presence because I don't know about you, but I found the more time I spend with God, the more love I feel towards people. Who's with me? I mean, literally today I was standing just a few minutes ago in the front of the auditorium I'm in today. And right there in the auditorium, people are getting prayed for. I mean, I was nearly crying. I was thinking, man, I'm so glad I'm giving all my money to this building fund. I'm so glad that I put my, because man, life after life after life, has been radically changed by God. Friends are cheering. It was like United Nations down here tonight as people from every tribe and language and tongue are testifying to what God has done in their life. Man, when you love God, you love people. Who's with me? If you don't love people, you don't love God. That's just, that's First John for you in a nutshell. I hate that book, it's so challenging. Nothing without our faith works without relationship. I love that book. I'm kidding. I'm, it is challenging though. Just read it once a year. That's enough. You know, in Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10 verse 8 is a very powerful passage of Scripture. It says, in fact, it says, talking about the Bible, the message is very close at hand. It is in your lips and it's in your mouth. That's the message. That message is the very message about faith we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So man, when you come to church and you hear a message and something comes alive inside of you, belief is birthed. But if you don't have a group of people that you can confess what God is speaking to you about, if you don't have a group of people that you can share about what God is doing with, in your heart with each other, then my friends, I found that the life change just doesn't continue. The message doesn't really work its way out. Whenever God is working something new in me, I'm always looking for somebody to share that with. Who's with me? Because when you come alive to God, you immediately want to share that experience with others who are around you. It doesn't only happen in your heart. If it's going to change your life, it needs to be shared with a community of people, a small group, a life group. It takes others for faith to work in the life of a person. About maybe three, five years ago, we were in the Build Up to Arise conference. And how amazing is it to, re, to, to, to just pause, by the way, and say that only a couple of weeks ago, we were able as a church community, including Christchurch, and like um, so many hundreds of people came from Christchurch, amazing group of people from Dunedin, uh, you know, but we came together as one church family and something like 300 other local churches from around New Zealand. And together in this auditorium and in the TSB arena, we held what they tell me, the city, uh, city officials have told us, is the largest indoor event in the city of Wellington this year, this year. 
this year is Arise Conference. That's amazing. That's phenomenal. But we were in the build up to Arise Conference about maybe three or five years ago. And uh, we were looking at the number of people who call Arise home that are on our phone list, our database. And we were looking at the number of people that were registered. And it was, it was a lot less that were registered than we knew people were saying, this is my home church. So I'm like, you know, team, let, let's, let's, let's talk to our life group leaders and let's get everybody registered for Arise Conference. So they're like, yes, John, you know, so they walk out the room, everybody's fired up, ready to go. Well, the next day, they're like, we need to see you. So we came back together again. And I'm like, what's going on? They said, John, about 90% of the people who are in a life group are registered for conference. And for us, it was like, wow. And then we're like, okay, well, how many of the people that are in a life group are serving somewhere in the church? Stats, again, hugely high. And we began to see that there is a massive correlation when you are part of a small group, you display signs of spiritual health. You want to be in environments where God is moving. You want to serve and offer your gifts and talents to the work of the Lord. When you are in a small group with other believers, you're showing signs that your faith is about more than just you. When you're in a small group connected to other believers, you're pastorally alive. You're being looked after. The Word of God is growing in you. Here's the kicker though. When you are not in a life group, you're not showing signs that you're hungry for spiritual environments, not showing signs that your gifts and talents are being a blessing to other people other than you and being used to build God's house. When you're not in a life group, then you're not showing signs that you're pastorally in a good place of health. So for us, that was like, wow. And about maybe three or five years ago, we decided around here that we are all about Sunday church for lost people to find Jesus. And we are all about life groups so that people can flourish in the walk with God that God wants them to be part of. Man, you need more than just a Sunday gathering. That's great. It's good you're here. That's a good start. That's how faith comes alive. But my friends, then you need a life group. You need a small group of believers that you can be part of that can walk with you through this journey of life. A Christian without a community of faith is a Christian that is in danger of trouble. Proverbs 18.1, he who isolates himself, herself, is not wise. They rage against all wise judgment. If we don't have quality relationships in our life, we're in real danger. We're in crisis mode when we don't have a small group that we're doing life with. In a life group, others gather around people. Community happens. When you get in trouble, people know. When you go to hospital, 10 people are gonna turn up at your side. When you're not in a life group, by the way, when you're in a life group and you get baptized, everybody flocks around you to pray for you. I've seen it in action tonight and you probably have a great meal after the service. Amen. I'm just picking culture groups that I'd like to be part of. I'm feeling hungry. Anybody hungry right now? When you're not in a life group, 
then my friend, nobody gathers around you. When you're not in a life group, community doesn't happen. When you're not in a life group and you go to hospital, we have to pay, well not pay, but our paid staff have to go and visit you because nobody else knows. It is important for every believer that we understand God has always designed His people. From the time that Israel came out of Egypt through to the ministry of Jesus, How about the birth of the early churches? Acts chapter 2 verse 42 tells us that they met in the temple courts for the apostles' teaching and in homes for the breaking of bread and prayer. They had Sunday church and they had a life group. They had a big teaching and they had a small group they were part of. Every believer needs the two things to work hand in hand for you and I to live the life God wants us to live. There are four things I believe God wants for every person. Are you with me this evening? Is this helpful? Number one, the first thing that God wants for every person in Dunedin, in Christchurch, here in Wellington today, God wants every person to be known. He wants you to be known. Check out these verses with me. Isaiah 43, 45, verse three. He is the God who calls you by name. He calls you by your name. There's a typo there. Uh, Isaiah chapter 45, verse four. I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. In other words, before you even knew God, He already said, I know you. And I want you to be known by me and by other people. Check out this verse, Romans chapter 9, verse 28 from the message. It says, God doesn't count us. He calls us by name. Arithmetic is not His focus. I love that. I'm a maths person, so it's not really that helpful. But if you're maths challenged out there, then the Lord bless you. Arithmetic is not God's focus. You're out of jail. It's all okay. But God said, man, I'm not concerned with numbers. I'm concerned with names. I care about you. I want you to be known. Hey, put that into application. God's saying, I don't want you to be a face in a crowd. I want you to be a name in a group. I want you to be a name in a group. Yeah, if you believe it, give the Lord some praise today. Come on. Not just a name, face in a crowd, a name in a group. Number two, God wants you to be healed. He wants me to be healed. He wants me to be healed. He wants you to be healed. Here's the kicker. Listen, your healing does not come through sermons. This message I'm preaching or maybe, you know, other messages I preach, they might provide the inspiration in somebody's life to say, I want to change, you know, two conversations. I want to change my thoughts. I want to ask God for something more. That provides the environment where you can say, man, I want to change. But listen, inspiration doesn't mean change. It just means you're walking down the journey. But if that inspiration doesn't become a decision, if it doesn't become something that's shared with other people, I want you to know you can only be healed with other people involved. Don't believe me? James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So healing doesn't happen in a church service. Healing happens in a small group. 
We're not asking everybody to get up here and go, yep, two conversations, that applied to me, got some real bad thoughts, got to deal with them. But you get 10 people that you've been meeting with for a little while, you get together with them and you say, yeah, my thoughts go in a really bad direction. I've been thinking this about other people. I've been thinking this about myself. Then those 10 people can say, well, we are gonna stand with you right now. Over this breakfast, over this dinner, in this house this evening, for me, even in Lycra on my bicycle, we can stand with you together and say, we're believing for healing to come to your life. Healing comes through other people. Yeah, come on, give God some praise. I just like it because they get carried away here in Wellington. If you were to ask me, John, would you rather have me come to church on a Sunday morning and on a Sunday night or have me come to church only one service but be part of a small group 10 times out of 10? Every person on our staff is gonna tell you the same thing. If you gotta choose, come to church once and go to a life group. Because if you come to church twice, but you're not part of a life group, you cannot replace in a crowd what you can only get in a group. Every person needs to be part of a group. Number three, the third thing God wants for me and He wants for you is God wants us to grow. God does not want us to stay the same. Oh, you probably know where we're going already, but Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a big church service sharpens people. Doesn't say that, does it? As iron sharpens iron, so one man, one woman sharpens another. And listen, you don't sharpen iron like that either. You sharpen iron like this. It's gotta be intimate. It's gotta be connected. If there's no relationship, there's no growth. Hello, if there's no relationship, there's no growth. So if you and I are going to grow, God wants us to be in relationship with other people. And listen, I know obviously every time the Bible says man, it's gender neutral, but I love this one. I left it in on purpose because I found that women love to hang out and men have a problem with it. But God doesn't just want the chicks in our church to grow. He wants the blokes in our church to grow as well. Preach that till it comes home. All right. You know, just in my life recently, I felt like I was plateauing. I mean, I've shared it with a bunch of people that are in my inner circle, in my small group. But I was like, man, I feel like I'm plateauing. So in February this year, I was in prayer. God said to me, build a relationship with a guy called Chris Hodges. So I began to text Chris. It's always weird when you just start texting people you don't really know. But I just started because... I thought, I, I'm not going to call him. He's got the second largest church in America, but I'm just going to start texting him because I'll see what happens. Well, he texts me back, so I text him back. So he texts me back, so I text him back. And then in May, we were in the same city together and we sat down for about three hours. Well, let me just say, I'm not plateauing anymore. <laughs> right relationships, right relationships. Having the right people in your world will make you grow. If you have the wrong people in your world, you won't grow. If you get the right life group around you, rallied around the right purpose, build your life towards God's house, get a group of 10 that you're part of and watch your life soar all the way into the will of God. Who's with me tonight? Come on, come on. Uh, number four, the fourth thing God wants for every person is to help others. He wants you to help somebody else. He wants you to be a blessing beyond you. 
The ministry of a church is not what happens in the pulpit. The Bible is really, really clear. The ministry that happens in the pulpit is to equip other people so that other people can do the ministry of the church. And in, in through a life group, you get the opportunity to help other people. I'm, I'm telling you the honest truth, honest truth, the most powerful ministry I've ever done in my life has always been in my home. Always been in my home. Always being that, you know, dangerously close to midnight, somebody, you know, tells you all the stuff and then you get to pray for them by one o'clock. Hopefully everybody's put back together again. You know what I'm talking about? All the times when we've gathered and prayed for people and they've been all, in all kinds of deep waters. I mean, really serious things that we've had the opportunity of just praying with, for people through in our lounge room with a small group of people, seeing God work the most miraculous of miracles. 10 times out of 10, I'd rather be with a group of people talking life in a lounge room than on a pulpit doing this. This is fickle because half the people out there love it, half the people out there don't, and I can feel both at the same time. <laughs> but you get in a room with a bunch of people and a small group, and man, that's when it just comes, you know what I'm talking about? It comes alive, doesn't it? And suddenly we're, we're praying, we're all laying hands on each other, and it all comes alive. And you just got this feeling God is changing lives right here. That's why everybody needs to be part of a life group so that you can help somebody else. I, I always get shocked when I meet Christians and they're like, well, you know, I've been a Christian for 10 years, so I don't really need that small group stuff anymore. I'm like, well, I'm going to slap you sideways. <laughs> what a selfish attitude that is. How about you join a life group? Not for what you can get out of it, but use that knowledge. You know, all that stuff God gave to you. Do you think He healed you just to heal you? He healed you so you could heal somebody else. He blessed you so you could be a blessing. Come on, are you with me tonight? Uh, I had a guy from World Vision interview me after the service this morning. I'm pretty sure he's not a Christian because of some of the words he was saying. But anyway, it was a great conversation. And he was saying to me, how long have you sponsored a child? And I said, well, as far as I know, the whole time Jillian and I have been married, we've given money away. Now, now, there have been moments when it's cut all the way down to $10 a month when we've been super, super tight. But we've always given money to World Vision or to Tear Fund, always for the 20-something years that we've been married. That's always been our commitment. Now, we're up to five kids. And to be honest, we could probably stretch our faith, maybe once we paid off the building, and go to six. But you know, the truth is that, that, that that's growing because as we've had a heart to be a blessing, God's blessed us and we've increased in our ability to be a blessing. If you keep taking everything God's giving to you and you say, in my small group, I'm gonna give it all away to other people, watch joy increase in your life, watch blessing overflow in your heart, watch, watch, your, watch your pantry fill up with food, watch your heart fill up with love, watch quality relationships flourish around you. We're blessed to be a blessing. Help somebody else and God's gonna start helping you. Who's with me tonight? Come on, if you enjoyed it, give God some praise together. The band can come and join me in every campus, every campus. You know, in, in our church, what we've seen time and time again, the fastest growing areas of our church are the ones with the, fast, with the most flourishing life groups. Every single time. I believe that the life is in the group. If you want God to do a blessing in your life, then make sure you're part of a group. 
I believe that our church is getting ready to do something great for God. We've only just gotten started. You know, we've got a life group now in Auckland. I didn't even know, I just found out from a piece of paper that came onto my desk. But you know, people are just seeking people. I'm not saying we're starting campuses there, by the way. Don't get carried away. Don't put it on Twitter either. Or Instagram or Snapchat or anything. I can't figure that Snapchat out. It's too confusing. It's... The moment you started swiping left and right, you lost me. I'm out of it. For the minute anyway. Nadia's already planning a tuition, I can tell, right now on the front row. But you know, if we can, if we can build it, an army of small groups. If we can just see believers really flourish and connected together. And I've just got this feeling that we could really do something amazing for God. God wants you to be known. God wants you to be healed. God wants you to grow. And God wants you to be a blessing to somebody else. That's His heart for you. Do you believe that tonight? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.